Hi, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the MM&M Podcast. I'm Steve Madden, General Manager of MM&M, and my guest on this installment of the podcast is John Lilliquist, Senior Vice President of Health for iHeartMedia. John, welcome. Hey, Steve, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm I'm uh, I'm a fanboy. I I've know. Got, I, I just showed you the, the iHeartRadio <laughs> app on just, my phone. Just swap some uh, classic rock intel. So I love take it. it. Take Good it. Start. Take it wherever I go. Um, turns out that John's a Zeppelin fan, and uh, huge. I yes. am too. Except for this song called "Stairway to Heaven," which I think is the worst song. In the world. <laughs> which, but, again, uh, historically, somehow gets the top rating at the. Uh, top songs or top 104,000 songs per, every, per year. Every, every Thanksgiving yeah. on Q104.3. Yeah, exactly, top 1,000 yeah. songs per year, I should so. say. But we digress. Yes. And we haven't even, we haven't even <laughs> started. <laughs> yeah. We digress. Um, so, listen, I've, I've got to admit, like I, am, I have a satellite radio in my car. I have mm-hmm. the app on my phone. I'm a huge terrestrial radio guy. Yep. Um, I don't think it's got anything to do with like you know in, ingrained media habits. It's just that I, I love radio. I love terrestrial radio. It's yep. like it's it's been really interesting to watch how it has evolved and the place it's assumed in the media firmament. You know, just yep. when like okay, satellite radio is going to kill it. It's like no, it didn't. It uh, it morphed it and it's done. And you guys are a key part of that. So yep. that said. You know more about this than I do. That's why you're the guest, <laughs> the guest on the show, exactly. and I'm asking the questions. Um, what's the state of the union for terrestrial radio? Where are we at right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good place to start. I mean, I think actually maybe even a better place to start would be just overall audio listening in general, in the sense that you know, WARC, um, a research organization, did a study back in September that found that you know over 30% of people's media consumption time, 31% to be exact, um, is spent listening to audio, right? But in media investment budgets, it's really only spending about 9% of that. So that's a huge audio gap between that. And what a lot of folks aren't realizing is that broadcast actually plays a big part of that 31% of audio listening. There's no question, though, that, you know, as the start of the pandemic, you know, as soon as that kicked off in that kind of May, April, you know, or April, May, June window of time, we saw some really dramatic declines in terms of listenership. But by the end of that, you know, first year of the pandemic, right, exactly. Yeah. People weren't on the roads. People were staying home. Everyone, no one wanted to leave their house or go to the grocery store for that matter. Um, so, but by the end of that year, that first year, 2020, you know, we were back to pretty much already pre-pandemic levels of listening for, uh, for broadcast or terrestrial. Nielsen actually just came out with some data this week that showed that we're already up, I think, 1.4 million. Um, in terms of our QM, I mean, it's like total listening, yeah, yeah. Um, versus March of 2021, right? So we're already seeing that trend continue to increase. And I think a lot of that is a function that people are back on the roads, right? If you look at Apple mobility data, um, I think it's like 72% increase in terms of the amount of traffic that's back on the roads versus 2019. People are time shifting, right? Like right. a lot of folks are less like in professional vocations and we can, you know, work from home, mix it up and go, you know, it will be back on the roads. You get a lot of people in this country that are back on the roads. I mean, I live next to 90, I-95. I can attest that the traffic <laughs> is certainly back to where it was, if not higher. And I drove right. up here. Uh, it, it, I, I neglected to mention this at the top of the, the top of the spot, but uh, we are at DTC National in Boston and I drove up here yesterday and I can attest to the fact yes. that people are back on the roads. <laughs> yes. Certainly back on the roads. So. 
I mean, with all that said, we're at, you know, broadcast radio is still covering around 90% of the country, right? And that's across virtually all demos. Um, so it's certainly back, I would say, to where it was before and still continuing to increase. And then, you know, brands are also um, finding ways to apply better targeting approaches as well as measurement, specifically in the healthcare space. We're working with um, two of the larger, you know, healthcare targeting and data platforms to have a targeting implementation approach as well as a measurement on the back end. So it's getting smarter on top of all that. So let's talk a little bit about the healthcare offering. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2019, I went to uh, I went to a health front. Yep. And uh, heard a, a speaker from iHeartRadio, and I, I have to admit to being somewhat dubious um, to, to to some of the claims you made. Since then, it's uh, you know, I've, I've come to realize that your, your claims are all completely right. How is the offering? Yeah, well, evolved since then. It's been, I mean, that's three it's years. Three years, now, right? right? I mean, I think you know, that's it's we've been on a tremendous trajectory. Just the whole industry has, really, as a whole. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with like, look, I use this like the analogy of a pool. You had a lot of these farm advertisers sitting on the edge of the audio pool, waiting for someone else to jump in, because people say they want to be first, but no one actually wants to be first, right? right? So then they're seeing some of these larger brands jump in, and they're like, wow, there has to be a way to do it, and that's really how we started getting this. I mean, I used to work on Pfizer and Novartis. Merck in my previous agency life. Fast forward, went to Warner Media, very video centric company, got here um, to iHeart and uh, my marketing partner. And I just really realized there had to be something to the audio approach to this. Mm-hmm. And again, you're seeing a lot of those advertisers seeing others jump in and that's giving them more comfort. So, you know, from a trajectory perspective, back in 2019, when you heard you know, at the, the health front, we were, you know, you can see my hands talking. You know, we were further back in the trajectory. We're still not where broad, where TV is right now, right. but we're, it's, it's, it's growing, right? And you're seeing brands jump in across branded and unbranded campaigns. That's, you know, unbranded been historically kind of where the, the bulk of that was, but they're doing a lot more branded now. Um, and across broadcast, streaming, podcast, custom content. Um, so, I mean, that's you're seeing that shift in momentum, I would say. Right. Um, from our offering, I mean, that's something that's really been evolving, you know, over the past probably three to four years, even prior to Hellfront. Um, you know, where, where we really are kind of finding the most traction is certainly within the cross-channel targeting, right? So that's taking the same segments, these audience segments that brands are using within, you know, digital channels applying those to both streaming and to broadcast. You can pull people, you know, think about the broadcast as mass reach and then using the more deterministic channels like streaming to pull people further down the funnel. That's one that's getting a lot of attention now. So so you're using streaming, but you're also competing against it at the same time. Well, I mean, I go back to my time shifting, um, you know, point that I made earlier. People are... You know, now I historically I would drive to the train station every morning, right? Get on the train, listen to my device, get to the office, listen to on a laptop, rinse and repeat on the way home, mm-hmm. and then introduce a smart speaker device in the evening. Now I'm home in the morning, take my daughter to preschool, right? You know, maybe run out for a meet, run out to the grocery store, you know, in between meetings, and then. But some days I am back in the city. Um, into New York City, that is, uh, back in my commuting lifestyle. So you're seeing a lot of that time ch- or time shifting in terms of, of listening behavior. So I wouldn't call it, it's, I would say it's complementary, right. right, versus what, we're, what you're seeing within broadcast. So when you're on the train, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you're taking the train into Grand Central, what's your listening experience? So typically podcasts, mm-hmm. and I stream them, by the way. I know there's, a, you know, there's a, some stats around, I want to say like, 
Edison came out some research that 13%, I want to say, and this could, don't quote me on this one, but I want to say a smaller percentage, put this way, of podcasts are actually downloaded versus actually streamed right. live, right. Uh, which tends to be my habit, right? But that's that's kind of my journey, and then I get in again, laptop, and then repeat on the way home. Yeah, I tend to I tend to stream them as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it seems to be. Oh, again, the research proves out that that's the more popular um, mode of, of listening. Um, and then our, the second part is really about uh, how we're looking at longer form ad units. You know, if you look at a lot of the TV spots, these brands are running from a brand perspective. We're now able to mirror those links. The creative process is different, right? TV does not work the same as as audio. Um, and I'll get to creative here in a minute. The third one, I would say podcasts. No longer the shiny new toy in really any industry, including, you know, healthcare or pharma specifically. A lot of brands will start out with pre-produced ads because that's what they can have the ultimate ball control over that. Right. Then they'll want to stretch their legs into host street ads, which by the way, they do also ball control because these days all the inventory is dynamically inserted. So if you can have a med rag team approve a host red ad before it goes live, their label changes, if God forbid they get a letter from the FDA, it can be pulled out and then corrected and reinserted as an impression. Um, some brands are then stretching legs further into longer form mid rolls. Or, you know, we've worked on a few campaigns, actually three of the past year against different conditions where we'll work with a pod or a few a handful of podcast hosts to come up with a themed episode around content, right? So um, we were working with one partner who was, uh, had a campaign about diabetes weight loss. So we worked with a few of our podcast hosts, one of which is um, Dr. Joy Bradford from a podcast called Therapy for Black Girls. We created a podcast or an episode, I should say, around body image. She did, that is. And then she would do a longer form mid-roll um, to talk more specifically about the campaign. So you're seeing these kind of incremental steps deeper into this longer form and arguably quote-unquote custom content. Right. Um, and then we're building you know custom podcasts for folks as well. Um, are you... How's the competition with Apple? They're getting into it too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Apple right now primarily a you know a, a massive listening platform, and obviously a lot of the data that they hold is huge as well. Where we kind of hang our hat on, and I think differentiation there is huge. Yeah, I mean, how do you stand us, out? Yeah, us pulling in Stuff Media, which is the producers of you know Stuff from History Class, Stuff You Should Know. About three and a half years ago, it's just exponentially deepened our bench in terms of the amount of titles and the creators that we can work with. Um, but that also lends itself to fragmentation. I want to say that you know there's probably six, seven, eight hundred thousand podcasts overall throughout the industry, probably more than that at this point. Um, so you know, from our perspective, from where we sit. You know, a lot of the podcast hosts will come to us because we don't keep, we made a very conscious decision not to keep our podcast inventory in a walled garden. I mean, our podcasts are distributed across virtually any yeah. any platform that Makes, you can listen to podcasts, which from a creative perspective, that's great because right. they get more distribution. From an advertiser perspective, that's great because they get more inventory, right? Now, there's pluses and minuses to each, you can argue. We just made that conscious decision to move forward um, in that direction, I should say. We do the same. This podcast will be on every platform so my voice will be no, everywhere. No, you'll, be, you'll be everywhere. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I think the other point to standing out is, you know, the creators, right? So we have gotten very big into launching slates of content, whether that be with, you know, folks like Will Ferrell, um, you know, from the comedy genre, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's Pushkin Network. 
um, for more, much more cerebral content. Um, you know, Bloomberg, the NBA, the NFL, um, Charlemagne the God, who's the host of uh, The Breakfast Club, one of our massive nationally syndicated broadcast shows, has a huge podcast, right? Um, that's really the anchor of um, the podcast uh, platform. We call it The Black Effect. Um, my Cultura, another one we've, you know, launched to kind of reach that multicultural audience as well, which is obviously in huge demand for, for all the right reasons. But I think that that has certainly been a point of differentiation. But those creators also come to us because of the aforementioned point about distribution. They want that exposure. Um, and that really leads to the third point, which is really about how we end up turning on really a megaphone, right? So when someone's launching a new episode, we treat it very much like a theatrical, like a movie company would create a, th- uh, would treat a theatrical drop. Uh, we put massive promotion across our broadcast platform, right? Letting people know that this the next season of um, the Round Burgundy podcast is about to launch. That's promoted across our podcast network. It's cr- promoted across our streaming platform as well as social, right? So I think that those those creators also see the benefit of being able to rise above that kind of huge sea of podcasts out there. And I think we also, you know, we're also a hand in the in the content itself, which we become very adept not only on the kind of working with creators, but also on the custom podcast side. Like, which which custom podcasts are you most proud of? One we just did with, um, I, I'm going to leave the partner's name out of it, <laughs> the one that's big um, in the HIV space uh-huh. um, that's really targeted towards you know, Black and Latinx men and the struggles they face, not only in, you know, dealing with HIV, but also just struggles in the community and just, you know, some of the life issues that they face. That's one where, again, we turned on some of the promotional engine surrounding that to make sure that people were a aware of the podcast but it also gives the brands in most of these cases kind of nice halo effect in terms of getting their message across it as to the that they're trying to make you know inroads into this very important um, space of conversation beyond just the podcast itself right right so you've got the kind of the anchor of the podcast but the surrounding media so it's, it's not you know the adage like if you build it they will come right that doesn't exist unless you have the promotion around it one of the really smart things uh, I think that iHeart has has done is okay. to bake into its business model events mm-hmm. um, I, I love events. They're 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 my favorite product for what MM and M and the other brands at Haymarket do, just because you know it's just great being back together again, yep. right? But you your festivals offer a lot of opportunities for marketers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, especially as it relates to the health space. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, a lot of brands. Look, uh, let me back up. So I think one important distinction about our events is, and probably for most others as well, is that they aren't just one moment in time. You know, there's certainly very much a beginning, middle, and end. There's the six to eight weeks of promotion leading up to the event itself. There's the actual event where we have on-site opportunities as well as um, you know the social that emanates from that, and then the recap. So again, very much a three-part story, if you will. Um, and, you know, a few years back, we probably had two, three, you know, healthcare brands that were leaning in. Um, this past year, we have we saw two more, and now we've got three or four heading into this year. And the reason why they're leaning into these is they really are, you know, these cultural moments. And this is happening before, like during the pandemic, when we were forced to go virtual. We have brands in the aesthetic space that were looking to get, you know, more authentic connection with the LGBTQ community and they lead into our um, uh, Can't Cancel Pride event, which we hold each June now. Um, and then coming, you know, on the tail end, if you want to call that the pandemic, this past fall, we had an advertiser in the vaccine space who was leveraging, you know, our country festival as well as our I Hit Radio Jingle Ball, which is, as we like to call it, a very barbell strategy, hitting 
the you know teens that are fans of the music and the moms and dads that are buying the tickets, right, <laughs> to advance that vaccine messaging. And what they would do, I mentioned that you know the 60 weeks of promotion. We turn on the airwaves, right, to announce lineups, to do contesting, to promote TuneIn. And there's, this is getting very tactical, but there's 15-second real estate at the end of each of those promotional units, right? Where brands can have that reminder, like, get back to what you love. You know, let's you know, consider getting vaccinated. Right. And then, you know, you're seeing, you know, other ones lean into, um, you know, the on-site element. We've got a partner coming up um, in our country festival in another month who is has a partnership with NASCAR and is looking to make sure that they have that presence with a very kind of like-minded audience. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, between the scale as well as the kind of high profileness of the, you know, the event itself, plus artist partnerships we're also doing as well. That plus the cultural factor of being, create these cultural moments are three reasons why I would say they're, they're leaning in a big way. That's great. Um, so what's next? I mean, what, you know, where do you go from here? Question. I mean, I mean, honestly, being here today, this always gets me so excited. I'll go back to Matt McNally's um, keynote that I listened to earlier today, where he's talking about the human connection and empathy. Right? There's, we like to say, there's no more conversational medium than audio, and this goes from us, my audio brethren out there as well. But being able to like have the power of the human voice to connect, and you know, ultimately, everyone here in this conference is talking about creating better patient outcomes, right. and a lot of that comes through conversation. Right, so being able to expand on our offering and podcast and expand on what we're doing in even long form streaming, 60, 75, 90 second units. I think being able to take pull that together along with what I mentioned before, what we're doing on the broadcast front and working with these data partners to better inform, what we really think is that you know there's an opportunity to create a more holistic audio solution. A lot of brands will come to us and use streaming, for instance, as the kind of dip their toe in the water for audio. And what we're seeing now is that they get comfortable with that. And they're like, okay, let's maybe step into like podcasting a little bit. Oh, this worked. Wow, I'm seeing, you know, some declining, you know, reach in TV. Let's see what number of logs are looking at their media mix modeling as well to add broadcast. So what now does like more of a, you know, I hesitate to use the phrase 360 marketing approach, but it really is a more holistic audio approach. It's like, how do you use the best parts of audio to advance the conversation? Right exactly. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. So now let me put you on the spot. What's your sure. favorite podcast? Um, 10% happier. It's great. It's a little bit of meditation. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little bit of uh, mindfulness um, taught or, you know, spoken to from Dan Harris, who has a very kind of pragmatic and everyday man's approach to it. That's that's my go-to these days. That's great. And another question for you. What's your favorite Zeppelin song? <laughs> oh, great. That's, actually, that's a tough one. Um, I'm a huge fan of Down by the Seaside. From physical graffiti. That's a. That's it's got a nice kind of like rhythm to it, and it's a, at the time was a little atypical Zeppelin. Great cut, but and not where I thought you were going to go with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and honestly, final final question: What's okay. Taylor Swift really like? <laughs> Very sweet. <laughs> By all accounts, yeah, she's yeah. a huge she's she's a huge fan of her own fans. I had the opportunity to you know be on the sidelines of some conversations with her when my previous client here at iHeart. And, uh, yeah, she's she's a huge fan of her own fans, which makes it a nice kind of two-way relationship. That's, uh, that, that's amazing. So, uh, and not at all surprising, actually. Yeah. No, she's, she's, she's great. I mean, she's got a very kind of tight circle around her. However, um, she is very passionate about her fans, and she knows where, you know, her stardom came from. But she's, I think she's at heart, I mean, she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Like, <laughs> what can be more grounded than that? <laughs> Maybe a raspberry farm. <laughs> yeah, true. Probably not. Um, 
John, thanks so much for being on. Yeah. My, my, uh, my, my guest on the MMM podcast has been John Lilliquist, Senior Vice President for Health for iHeartMedia. You've been listening to the MMM podcast. I'm Steve Madden. Come back soon. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.